0: Here's what you need
1: to know. Game five of the World Series with Philadelphia hosting Houston. Comes up at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Fox TV. Noah Syndergaard against Houston's Justin Verlander. Series tied at two after the Phillies were no hit last night. The series is off tomorrow. In the NFL, we have Philadelphia at Houston. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. The Philadelphia Eagles are 7-0 and this year. Houston's 1-5-1 and, and according to NFL Network, Texans wide receiver Brandon Cooks is out tonight after he was not traded by two Tuesday's deadline. Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas will likely miss the rest of the season. He'll have toe surgery. New Orleans hosts Baltimore on Monday night. Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman is out for the year after foot surgery. The Ravens did recently sign veteran wideout Deshaun Jackson. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor missed practice again with an ankle injury. Just two NBA games tonight and the 76ers' James Harden reportedly could miss a month with a foot injury. I'm Steve Desega.
2: of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435 752 1069 or text 435 339
3: 0321. It's the full court press. Oh, yes! yes. Caught. Touchdown! Did I get it? Welcome back, hour two, on a Thursday, or at least I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. The days blend together and you begin to forget a little bit. I know it's November 3rd because I've had to type that out about seven times today. It's like how, you know, when you're in school or if you work in a job where you type the date out a lot and you write it down, you tend to remember the date a lot better, but you know, if you're just out and about and, you know, you're just doing work, maybe you're on vacation, you're like, oh, what day of the week is it? What's the date of the month? Like, I don't know. But since I write down the date, I usually know it, but remembering the days of the week can be tricky for me sometimes. <laughs> You'd think I'd know, because I have to say it every day on the show. But uh, congratulations to Mark. He's the one who correctly answered the trivia question that we gave at the very end of last hour. Uh, the question was... Uh, what was the first year that New Mexico and Utah State played? And the answer is uh, December first, nineteen fifty-one. Granted, I didn't ask for the exact date; I just asked for the year. Uh, and he and uh, Mark correctly answered nineteen fifty-one. So he won two tickets to go see Utah State play uh, New Mexico this Saturday, uh, one thirty p.m. kickoff. Uh, for those of you who maybe can't make the game or want to listen to some pregame beforehand, we've got the uh, you know the, the game day uh, starting at twelve. Uh, Al Lewis on that, and then obviously we got the uh, post-game immediately after it ends. You can call in, text in, and they'll have the whole post-game for you, and including post-game audio, assuming I don't mess that up, because it's my responsibility to get them post-game audio. But me and Eric, uh, we uh, recorded our predictions, a segment of us talking about you know who we think is going to win, uh, what we think the score is going to be. Um, so go ahead, if you want to text in your score predictions, uh I'll read those out starting kind of the next segment, uh, once we get through this with, with me and Eric. So I'll go ahead and play that really quick, but you can you can text in your score predictions at four three five three three nine zero three two one. We'll talk about it after this uh after this plays.
4: The Utah State Aggies take on New Mexico Saturday, one thirty kickoff in the uh in the stadium on Merlin Olsen field. Uh, CBS Sports Network has a national coverage, and uh, pregame coverage for us will begin at noon here on The Fan and on KVNU with game day with Al Lewis and Craig Hislop and others. But uh, now it's time for Jason and I to give our own predictions and how we think things might play out on Saturday afternoon. Now, weather could be an interesting factor in this game. I know it's been pretty yucky for most of this week, uh, and going into the weekend... But uh, gosh, Saturday, what, what, I have to double check what the weather's supposed to look like on Saturday again. Remember,
3: it's going to be a little colder and a little wet. If I remember correctly, of course, the when I saw the the weather forecast, it was still like more than a week out, so it may have changed a little bit since I saw it. Yeah, it looks like yeah, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be
4: some cold weather and wet. Could be rain mixed with snow, and I think that's important to play uh, into. Uh, uh, our predictions because that may affect how the game gets called for more so for Utah state than New Mexico. I think New Mexico is who they are no matter what. And that is that they're a triple option team. They're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, there may be some difference with who their quarterback is. One quarterback is a better at executing the option and, and running the ball versus another who tends to pass it a little bit more, but by and large, New Mexico is who they are, and that is that they're going to try to run the ball a lot, and so that Utah State defense has to be keen on those uh, those option runs. And as Coach said earlier this week, it would be a mistake to, to uh, assume that New Mexico's triple option is similar to Air Force triple option.
3: Yeah. So there's obviously different keys and different things you do. I you know. I mean, just simply running, you know, the veer from the shotgun is a lot different. Than Air Force's, you know, more tra- I guess traditional under center, you know, you know, service academy style option. Uh, and so there's obviously differences with New Mexico, and and just looking at the numbers, they pass the ball a little over 20 times a game, which that ranks 127th. So it's a lot less, you know, in being a triple option offense, but it's nearly three times as much as Air Force, who only pass the ball like seven times a game. So they're going to at least throw the ball, and the defense is going to have to be honest. And it does make it a little more complicated because you still have to deal with the complicated, you know, run option defense.
4: Right, and that's that's the thing that you uh, that secondary always has to be aware of is that run, 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 run. All of a sudden, here's a pass play, and you've been sucking up to help on run defense, and then oh my gosh, the receiver got behind us, and uh, they get you for a deep pass.
3: Yeah, at least it won't feel like a trick play. In this game, because like I said, it's you know one out of every three plays ish. You know if they're running, you know seventy plays ish, then I guess you know two out of every seven plays is a pass play. So it's not quite the same as Air Force, who will run the ball sixty times and pass five times. But uh, Miles Kendrick, just looking at the quarterback situation at New Mexico, he has thrown only
4: three touchdowns. He has thrown seven interceptions and has been sacked twenty-four times. Justin Holiday. Uh, has thrown no touchdowns, one interception, and has been sacked four times.
3: Yeah, and Holiday started the last game, so that was kind of his first, you know, volume action. He's appeared in you know three games now, but in the last game he was like eight of sixteen. He's nine of twenty on the season, so that gives you an idea how much he was passing before. Um, you know, Holiday can certainly run. If you exclude the sacks, I think he had sixty-one yards on eight carries. Um, so. Dude can make some plays with his legs. Obviously, Kendrick, I have not tried to adjust his rushing yards for sacks because without that many sacks, you know, he's got 76 official rushes, that's including the sacks, for 148 yards. Haven't done the math on how good of a runner he is (laughs) because, again, college football is supremely stupid in how they count their sacks as far as lost yardage for the offense.
4: Yeah, that's uh, so he's clearly... Has gained more yards than what his rushing yards actually look like. Yeah, he he sacked twenty four times. I mean that
3: that tells me that
4: that uh, offensive front for New Mexico really isn't that strong.
3: Yeah, and you know Kendrick has three rushing touchdowns. Tells you the guy can gain some yards. But it was like when you know Utah State sacked the poor San Jose State quarterback like thirteen times. Dude nearly had a negative one hundred rushing yards.
4: (laughs) 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 Yeah. So, I mean, yes, the, the the quarterback position for them is a little bit up in the air here still, but uh, there is a, a dynamic possibility, maybe we'll put it that way, that, it's, uh, that, that Kendrick or even Holiday can get out and run. Both have pretty explosive runs on the year so far. Uh, Kendrick's longest run was for 26 yards. Holiday had one for 35. Both of them had found the end zone with their feet, so the, uh, the, that defensive front for Utah State, that's going to be the real key in this game for me, maintaining that triple option attack, but also getting to the quarterback and getting them off schedule and uh, getting them off time.
3: Yeah, especially you know if, if Utah State jumps ahead a little bit, it might force New Mexico to pass a little bit more. And right now, as far as the quarterback, it feels like Justin Holiday is going to be the one. I know he was named the starter you know, before their last game against Fresno State, and supposedly it was for the rest of the season. That was the report. That could change. Kendrick did come in and throw a pass against Fresno State. Um, obviously, Kendrick is still healthy, so he's still an option if Holiday ends up not doing well. So you'd expect Holiday to be the guy to walk out there on that first series. But it is possible for Kendrick to come back out if things go absolutely awful for the offense, especially in the pass game, whatever you know, pass game they try and do. This game on Saturday for Utah State, for me, comes down to that
4: defensive front for the Aggies, uh, but it also comes down to the defensive front for New Mexico. Uh, That's an aggressive defense under Rocky Long that will pressure and pressure and pressure and come after you. Cody Moon is their linebacker. He's got 60 tackles on the year, um, but uh, he's uh, got three-and-a-half sacks as well, so somebody who can... Uh, get around and, and uh, come up through and make uh, really make your life difficult as a quarterback if you're not careful, keeping your eye on the, an aggressive, pressuring linebacker in Cody Moon.
3: Yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot of running in this game, so obviously there is a big reason why the front sevens of both of these teams, or I guess maybe a front six for New Mexico, because I think they run a 3-3 uh, you know, front. Of course, Utah State kind of does that. Too with with their striker position. I don't know. Right. Defenses don't have front sevens anymore because the the base packages tend to be more of the the what we used to call nickel. Right. And that's yeah. the base package now. But you know, with it being cold and wet, and with both neither team really having super strong passing attacks, neither of these teams are great at passing the ball. Their strength is in the run game, and so that's why I don't think weather's going to have that much of an impact on this game. It can impact the Aggies more because they will try and pass the ball more, especially getting LeGaugh back. They'll have a little more in terms of their offensive playbook and in the passing attack. But still, this is a team that's going to run the ball a lot. You know, Cooper got his first game, he ran the ball 20 times. He's going to run the ball a lot. in this. Maybe they might try and, you know, not run him a ton because of the concussion, but he is two weeks out from that. So he's supposedly fully healthy. So I think they'll try and run him some. They'll run Calvin Tyler a lot. And so this is going to be a game where both teams run the ball a lot. If we have a combined 250 passing yards, I might be surprised. Well,
4: actually, it's going to be more like three weeks out, uh, considering he didn't start last or two weeks ago. Then they had the, the bye week, and now he's back on the field this Saturday. So yeah. a lot of time between that. And one of the things, too, that we heard earlier this week was about players coming back, getting guys back from injury, and that's going to be a key for Utah State. Uh, I think it's going to be big to have Byron Bonds back. Um, and uh, Daniel Grishik, who went out in the Wyoming game, he should be back, um, and Alo, uh, he should be back. So there's a lot of guys who were, were stretched on that uh, Utah State defense um, because of injuries, but a lot of these guys are coming back, and uh, I think they're going to play a big role in and making life difficult for the Lobos and getting after them and, and trying to slow them down, getting them off the field.
3: Yeah, especially you want these experienced defensive ends, defensive linemen to be there for this triple option because that's where if you have great defensive ends who make plays, that can shut down the triple option. Uh, the one question as far as guys coming back, at least that will come back this season, is MJ Tafisi where yeah, he was, you know, Anderson said he was day-to-day. This was on Monday is when he said that. Um wasn't sure if he's going to be back this week. And even at one point was like saying he's not sure if he's going to come back at all. Um, you know, I, th- I think Tefisi will come back this season. Um, it would take quite the setback for him to be out for the year, I think. But I'd be surprised if we saw Tefisi out there this week. If he is, that'll be a big help. You know, he's been great tackler. He's been in on a lot of plays. And he provides more veteran leadership. You know, part of what went wrong against Wyoming is you had a bunch of young guys who you know couldn't do their jobs. Tafisi is you know experienced; and he knows how to do his job, and he'll be able to do it. Whereas the young guys, they haven't had that development yet to reach their full potential, where they will be able to make those plays at some point at, in their careers at Utah State. Yeah, before the season, we talked about the
4: linebacker position being one that concerned us the most, not just because of. Who was there, but because of the lack of depth. If any one of those guys got hurt, then it was, you know, you're really going young and inexperienced. And we you know, th- through most of the season, that hasn't been an issue. And AJ Von Pachan and MJ Tafisi have been dynamic. They've been awesome. They've been one of the best uh, linebacker duos in the conference, uh, ranking up there with the most in tackles and influence in games defensively. And then you, they, you, when they go out, then you start to see just the, the difference there. But, um, you know, those those young guys are getting some reps, getting experience, certainly a lot of time in practice to get ready. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they get rotated in. And, uh, w- well, one of them may be playing anyway if MJ's not able to go on Saturday.
3: Yeah, and so even if Tafisi is back, they may try and limit his snaps a little bit because if, if he's this close to not playing, then you don't want to be playing him full volume of snaps. So they will be probably rotating in. Um, and I don't, I don't know how Kaleo Neves might factor in where I don't know if he plays, you know, if, if they're running like a single linebacker, say, you know, a dime package or whatnot. Maybe if Neves can fill in. Again, I, I haven't looked to see how their formations work. See if Neves is still in on those dime packages. But maybe he could help out a little bit, take some extra snaps. Um. But yeah, they will have to rotate to some young guys. Uh,
4: for uh, for Utah State offensively, it's just keeping an eye on uh, and being able to protect Cooper Lega and keeping an eye on those uh, dynamic linebackers that they have. As I mentioned, uh, Porter, uh, not Porter, uh, um, it, uh, Moon, Cody Moon, uh, with sixty sa- or sixty tackles on the year, three and a half sacks. His uh, other uh, teammate there at linebacker position, Rico Hanna. 40 tackles. He's got three sacks on the year. And then we've got a dynamic defensive end in Justin Harris who he has three and a half sacks on the season as well. And we know that uh, Rocky Long will try to pressure you from different parts of the field. So sometimes it could be a safety coming up and uh, applying that pressure and, and coming off the, the backside that you, is unexpected.
3: Yeah, that's where you'd hope a little bit more experience from Legault would help. Whereas a guy like Bishop Davenport ended up being blindsided by a backside you know, corner blitzing. Maybe Legault will see that. And he also has the athleticism to escape things like that. And that could be a big factor here is not so much Cooper Legault designed runs, but scrambles. He's shown the ability to make plays with his legs, get outside the pocket and either scramble, or he's shown the ability to throw when he gets outside the pocket. He's made some big throws on the run after he was flushed out of the pocket. So I think Legault's legs are going to be huge in this game. Probably more so than his arm, again, because... Passing may be suspect depending on how you know conditions are down on the field. Yeah, and with that 3-3 stacked defense that
4: Mexico operates, they're going to make it difficult for quarterbacks to pass on them because they're going to muck it up in the backfield and uh, and try to take away options in your, in your passing game. And so they're putting a lot of faith in their defensive ends and, and their linebackers to... Do their work to get to the to the quarterback. So if you can seal them and create those uh, running lanes, then I think that's a, one of the real big keys for Utah State to sustain drives and to eventually find pay dirt because they will make it tough to pass on them. But uh, they won't be they don't have as many guys in the box, so to speak, to try to uh, uh, make it tough for you to run on them.
3: And here's the thing. if Utah State can you know win you know, win the battle up front on their offensive line. They've had games where they perform really well, and if they do that in this game, then, you know, game over because Utah State will run the ball at will. Um, And I think perhaps the big key is the fact that in certain sets, if you have a QB-designed run, Utah State can have seven blockers against a six-man front. Obviously, there's going to be a defensive back roaming around to be kind of a seventh man in the box. But, you know, you have that advantage where you have, Potentially seven blockers, a five-off offensive lineman, a tight end who's going to be in the box pretty much most plays for Utah State, and then a running back who can kind of basically play the role of a fullback and you get Legault back there and run it and you have seven blockers. Or even on a design you know, running back run, it's still six blockers. Two six or you know, six and a half guys in the box. So that could be a big thing for Utah State where if they're able to win those battles, then it's game over more so than usual. Yeah, so uh,
4: let's come down to prediction time. We're already talking about how we think things will play out for Utah State and New Mexico, but what about the score? How is this game going to play out, and what's the final score going to be? Will Utah State get the victory? Will they move to uh, uh, three wins in conference play uh, and, and get a little bit closer to being bowl eligible? Or will New Mexico play
3: spoiler uh, on Merlin Olson Field. So, how do you see the score playing out, Jason? So, I, I think with injuries on defense, Utah State's not going to play its best defensive game. Um, I don't think I don't think is going to be in there, or at least be in there a lot. So that'll hurt their experience, hurt their ability to effectively shut down New Mexico's offense. Um, cause it's certainly possible because several teams have held New Mexico to like nine points or things like that. Actually, the last couple weeks they've only scored nine points a game. Um, against you know not spectacular teams in New Mexico State and Fresno State. But I think with Utah, with Utah State not being elite on defense, missing some players, I think New Mexico's probably going to get around 20 points. So that's my score prediction on that end. I think Utah State on offense, I think they'll do fine. I don't think the weather is going to impact them too much. They'll run the ball effectively. They'll do just fine there. They'll pass the ball well enough You know, with Lagarde coming back in. He'll provide a boost there. So I think Utah State will get around 30. So my final score prediction is actually going to be to for Utah State. Hmm.
4: Okay. The uh, Las Vegas line, just for those who may be curious about such things, uh, has Utah State beating New Mexico by 16.5 points, the over-under at 43.5. So you would take the over, uh, but uh, New Mexico would cover. Yeah. So uh, for me, I've got a palindrome score. So I think that New Mexico... Um, considering the the weather, I think both teams won't score quite as much. Uh, so I'd take the overall under on the uh, overall uh, point total. But I've got Utah State at 31 and New Mexico at 13. So I, I just I think that New Mexico uh, and I think you accurately depicted it will be able to move the ball a little bit against Utah State's defense, which is a little bit thin at some key positions. Uh, but in the end, I think they'll kick more field goals than they'll get touchdowns. And then I think Utah State with Cooper Laga under center will get back on track offensively by considering the weather and that New Mexico um, pressure defense. Um, I, th- I think 31 is pretty accurate. I mean, you're pretty close. you at 34. I'm at 31. Uh, but uh, I, I think Utah State wins this one 31-13. They get to, uh, what is it, three wins? Uh, in conference play, and in uh, uh, that would be what four wins overall uh, for the Aggies. You'd get them to four and five. Get them close to five hundred. Get them back on track after a, uh, a tough loss last uh, well two weeks ago at uh, at
3: Wyoming. Yeah, certainly it's this team is uh, you know pretty much desperate. I, th- I can't remember if Anderson used the word desperate to be bowl eligible. I think he did. That's their goal now. A lot of other goals have been pushed out the window. They, they can't achieve them on their own. And so the one thing they can control is winning three out of the next four to get bowl eligible. So that's their new main primary goal.
4: 435-339-0321. What's your score prediction for Utah State hosting New Mexico on Saturday? Pre-game coverage for us will start at noon here on The Fan with KVNU Game Day and kick off at 1.30. If you can't make it to the game, it will be on CBS Sports Network. We're going to take a quick timeout. More coming up next here on
5: 106.9 The Fan. Saturday afternoon, it's a 1.30 kickoff for the Aggies versus New Mexico Lobos. This will be a military appreciation game. Get yourself prepared with Aggie camo gear from Locker 42. Aggie logo t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, jackets, blankets, and more. Locker 42 is also happy to announce new Nike sideline gear is now starting to arrive. Get your camo Aggie gear for Saturday's military appreciation game, Locker 42, and you can shop either location, the North Store at 1430 North Main, next to Little Caesars, or the Flagship Store at 36. South Main. Locker 42.
0: The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs with competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cash Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young.
6: For over 20 years, Aegis Home Health and Hospice has been providing health care to Cash, Box Elder, and Rich Counties. Whatever or wherever your health care needs, Aegis' goal is to meet those needs. Aegis Home Health and Hospice core values are character, experience, and trust. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S, striving to provide the health care services you need. Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Call 723-9000 or find them at myagis.com.
4: Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25
3: years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you.
1: Alpine Home Medical, we bring wellness home.
3: Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. Are you a small business owner?
4: Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley
3: Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by
2: people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Sunday on Compass Media Networks. Coverage of the NFL.
3: NFC West foes collide in the desert as the Arizona Cardinals host the Seattle Seahawks. Hi, this is Jeff Eggs. Join Bill Rosinski, Chad Brown, and myself for all the action
4: as the first place Seahawks go for a fourth straight win over Kyler Murray and the Cardinals who
0: desperately need a win. It's the Seahawks and the Cardinals. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Sunday afternoon at 1.30 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
2: The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. (laughs)
3: Welcome back, Full Court Press, second hour already in progress. Uh, Jason Walker with you here. Uh, Eric Franson is unfortunately in St. George. Uh, If you're wondering why you were hearing Eric Franson just a moment ago, if you just joined the show, it's uh, we pre-recorded that yesterday. So luckily nothing extreme happened to maybe alter the the, uh, landscape of this game since we recorded that. Um, but just to give you some score predictions, I believe Eric had 31,13 and I had 34 to 20. Obviously, I have a lot more high scoring game. I, I'm not really wasn't really taking into account weather. I mean, I knew it was going to be bad weather and I deliberately said I didn't think it was going to be that high scoring. Um, some of you with some lower scoring predictions, for instance 9315 says uh, USU 24, New Mexico 3. And that's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, if the weather forces, you know, turnovers and uh, you know, kills drives, or both teams uh, just struggle on offense, that could happen. I just don't see uh, Utah State holding New Mexico to just three points. If they were full strength on defense, that'd be a possibility. Uh, but you just never know uh, how things are going to go. Two six zero three. He actually comes a lot closer to my prediction. He predicts. Uh, he says, I predict 34 to 18. Certainly be an, in- an interesting score there, 18. But, you know, me and him both have Utah State scoring 34 points. I have Utah State scoring 20. So we're uh, pretty similar there. Uh, 5879 says 37-7 Utah State. Um, and if you want to text in your score predictions, you can text in 435 339 0321. You know, how do you think the game's going to go? What do you think the score will be? Uh, pretty optimistic about a Utah State win here for most people. Uh, Seven eight five four uh, says uh, thin defensive positioning will cause problems for the Aggies. Lobos will run, but in the long run, Aggies pull it out, 27-23. And that's kind of similar to what I was saying in, in our predictions. I feel like you know having a thin defense will lead to New Mexico scoring a few more points. I have them at 20. I think Utah State's offense will do a little bit better than 27 points, but certainly it's possible. I think 34 could be kind of on the high end of this. Utah State this season is just not the kind of team that's going to be able to put 40 points on the board. I don't think they've done it yet this year. They've gotten into the 30s a couple of times, but this is a team that is not explosive on offense. So it's probably... 20s, maybe into the 30s, uh, as far as them. If their offense is running smoothly, which I think it will, on Saturday, they should be able to get 34 points, hold New Mexico down enough to keep them to 20. And then Eric was along similar line of thing where he has the Utah State at 31 points. He was a little more optimistic about the defense uh, for Utah State. Uh, two seven eight seven. Has uh seventeen to fourteen for USU. Uh, definitely uh thinking a low scoring game for this, and maybe it's possible. Maybe both teams just muck things up. You know the defenses dominate, but I think there'll be some some uh decent scoring, decent scoring from both teams. Now an, an interesting stat that was I was pointed in the direction of uh, John Newbold, our very own Hurricane John Newbold. Um, He pointed me to uh, a a tweet from uh, Brett McMurphy, kind of an interesting stat, in that uh, New Mexico currently has the longest active losing streak for games in November. New Mexico has lost 20 straight games that they've played in the month of November. The last time they won, a November game, was November twenty sixth, twenty sixteen, and uh, that was against Wyoming. Uh, New Mexico actually went nine and four that year, that twenty sixteen year. Uh, Lobos so they were nine and four. Utah State was not three and nine, and uh, coincidentally enough, that twenty sixteen season, that's the last time that New Mexico has defeated the Aggies in a game. That's the most reen- recent in- instance of New Mexico defeating Utah State. And it, it really goes to show some of the depths that New Mexico has gone to. Because, you know, they did beat them in a year where Utah State went 3-9, and but then in a year where Utah State was arguably worse than that 3-9 and season. You know, 2020, that year, Utah State goes one in five. One of the worst teams we've probably ever seen out of Utah State. Who was that one win against? Yeah, New Mexico. Utah State, you know, wins 41-27 in that game. Absolutely nuts. Like when Utah State was at their worst, they still beat New Mexico these last five years. Granted, Utah State's had two pretty dang good years in uh, 2018 and 2021, and in those games they blew the heck out of New Mexico. I think one of the games they scored 61 points against the Lobos. But that was 2018, and this is now. So still, Utah State's not a great team. They're only, you know, 3-5. and New Mexico's 2-6. and If I'm remembering the records correctly, I'm suddenly doubting myself on that one. But Utah State, I think, is better, and I think it's going to be a... A comfortable win. Uh, eight nine six eight. he gives his score prediction. Says, let's pitch a shutout. Aggies 31, Lobos 0. And that's the kind of optimism I can get behind. So we'll see how Utah State goes. We'll get into a little bit more preview tomorrow as we get closer and closer to the game. Uh, what is an all-important game? Because Utah State, they... You know, the, the games against New Mexico and Hawaii, even though they're supposed to be easy, they become must-wins. Because if you don't win them, then suddenly you're tasked with defeating uh, San Jose State and Boise State if you, you know, mess up on either these uh, New Mexico or Hawaii games. Already right, it's going to be tough enough to take one against San Jose State and Boise State. But then you'd have to win both, just to get both eligible. Utah State has to win three of four to get bowl eligible. So we'll see the, how, how that goes. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some Utah Jazz. Was a fun season, it felt like they were tanking, and I was going to be fine with the Jazz losing. Then they were doing good, and now I'm mad that they lost yesterday. But we'll talk about that next here on 106.9 The Fan.
5: When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient, not the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options in the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006.
0: We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac Automatic Standby Generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac Automatic Standby Generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac Automatic Standby Generators. Power you can count on. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in
5: Best Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now is the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns cash valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not
0: comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. My name is Chris Hammond. My wife really appreciates a clean home, especially with three kids and two dogs. So when it comes to our carpets being cleaned, I always go to Daryl from ChemDry of Northern Utah. His team is quick, on time, and precise. They do a great job of making sure our home and our carpets are clean. Thank you, Chem Dry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry
1: of Northern Utah. 435-752-6100.
0: As you go about your daily life, look closer. As you gather with family and friends, look closer. Right in your community, there are youth who don't have the home, warmth, and healing you have. So, look closer. Every year across America, a staggering 4.2 million youth are homeless or trafficked. Covenant House is the national leader providing safe housing for youth 50 years strong. Tonight, 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed. And tomorrow, they will wake up surrounded by love. Every youth who walks into Covenant House gets clean clothes, hot meals, medical care, and a safe place to sleep. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, in sites across America to help them fulfill the great promise of their lives. So, look closer at Covenant House and help us fight youth homelessness. To help
2: or get help, go to covenanthouse.org. Following the local teams, it's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker.
3: Welcome back, full court press, Jason Walker, with you here. Uh, gonna talk some Utah Jazz now. We've talked uh, talked NBA in the first hour, some of the crazy crap that's going on. I also talked high school football, previewing the upcoming matchups this Saturday that'll be played down at SUU, uh, Ridgeline taking on Crimson Cliffs, Mountain Crest taking on Desert Hills. Um, now we're gonna talk some Jazz because they, you know, they started the season six and two. Uh now they're six and three. Yesterday they played the Dallas Mavericks. They had a lead. I think at one point they were up sixty-one forty-nine, I believe. Twelve point lead, and that was in the third quarter. They end up falling one zero three one hundred to the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic scores thirty-three points, goes twelve of twenty from the field, seven to ten from the from the uh, free throw line. Also had 11 assists, 5 rebounds. Jazz did okay. They didn't shoot as well from 3. Lowry Marketing goes 0 for 4 from 3 by himself. Only had 14 points, 7 rebounds. Um, Jazz actually, I think, they they out-rebounded the Mavericks by a little bit. Um, Jordan Clarkson had a solid day, 22 points. Granted, he needed 20 shots to get there. Also had 8 assists. Mike Conley had 11 points. Eight assists, Colin Sexton going for 19 points on 7 of 16 shooting. So, really probably what they were missing was, you know, a little more from Lowry Markin, a little more from Kelly O'Linick. Get a little more from those two guys, and you probably do just fine in this game. Probably end up winning. But, unfortunately, they don't. Now, of course, you know, I was expecting the Jazz to lose a bunch of games, and now I'm mad that they lost. Because so like, they should have won. You know, they, they should have come away with the win. They've had a few games where they kind of blow leads late, but they've not been punished by it. They've managed to uh, escape the problem they created by letting the other team back in. I believe they blew leads against the Pelicans and Timberwolves. And I think nearly blew lead against the Rockets. But they've managed to escape on a number of occasions. This time they did not. It's the first time they've really been burned by their own tendency to let teams back in games despite building a solid lead. Hopefully it doesn't become the theme like it was last year. Last year, of course, this year's team is blowing like maybe a 10-point lead. Last year, the Jazz were blowing like 25-point leads. It was absurd. And that team should have done better. This team kind of has an excuse they're not supposed to be good. They're already playing with house money at this point though it it does kind of create a situation where you're wondering like all right is this is this now the cliff the point where the jazz finally go over the edge and start playing like we were expecting them to i don't know and maybe the front office attempts to sabotage this good start with a uh with a couple of trades And it's interesting because this hot start may have led to uh, some general managers who are now looking at their team. You know, once the season starts and you start seeing, you know, all these teams, how they really are, because teams are really confident in their own guys that they built over the offseason. And then once they see how it really is, oh, no, this is terrible. You can have that. And the Jazz have a bunch of scorers, shooters, guys who can be really valuable. On potentially contending teams, and according to reports, uh, Shams uh, Sharania of the Athletic, among other things, uh, he was uh, he was on a show. I forgot, I forgot what show he was on. Um, I might have to look this up just to uh, just to clarify. He was basically talking about you know the Jazz getting calls from other teams about some of their players
4: they have teams calling them every day on jordan clarkson on on malik malik beasley's they have they have a
0: list of suitors on both of those guys i'm told but i I think you just have to ride this out you have to see what this team looks like in 20 to 25 games i know they're off to this crazy start that no one predicted you have pictures of danny ainge looking weird you know like super super (laughs) upset At Will Hardy. Um, By the way, I mean, Danny Ainge loves Will Hardy, so he must have just got caught in the moment. Uh, That's that's his guy. I'm sure he's actually reveling in the fact that they got off to this great start because, like you said, Michelle, I think things can
4: trickle off. I want to see this team 20 games in, 25 games in, see their record. They can always start flipping guys closer to January if they want to.
3: So I believe I've traced that back to a FanDuel YouTube channel. I wanted to give proper credit to where this came from. But it was Shams talking, I believe, on, on FanDuel, their, their YouTube page. That's where I believe the clip was pulled from. And just basically saying, yeah, the Jazz are getting calls on uh, on players. Clarkson and Beasley are two valuable guys. And they could very easily trade them. And if they do... That can lead to Utah, you know, tumbling toward being not as good. Because Clarkson's playing a big role here. I think he's averaging like 16 points a game, 5 assists. Malik Beasley's averaging, I think like 11 points per game. You know, two guys who are a big part of this offense at the moment. Yeah, just double-checking. So Clarkson's actually at over 17 points per game now. And Beasley yeah, is at about 11.5, 3 assists per game. Clarkson at 4.6, or no, 5.6 assists, 4.6 rebounds. So Clarkson playing very well right now. Distributor and scorer. If the Jazz are looking to sabotage their own hot start, there's a very easy way to do that, where if they're getting calls on these guys, you know, wait it, milk it out a little bit, let these teams... uh really feel the pressure, really feel the need. Dan Age isn't going to rush a trade. We've very much seen that. I mean, maybe he could have rushed the trade with Boyan Bagdanovich, who's actually doing pretty well in Detroit right now. Um, he didn't rush the trade with Donovan Mitchell. Seemed, seemed to not rush the trade with Rudy Gobert. Certainly got a great offer. And when he got that great offer, he took it. And when he got a good offer for Donovan Mitchell, he took that. So Jazz could certainly pull up more, more uh, assets, more draft picks. Maybe could milk a first-rounder out of Jordan Clarkson. I don't know if they can get that out of Malik Beasley. But Jordan Clarkson, you know, they got a first-round pick out of Royce O'Neal. Maybe they can go in for Jordan Clarkson. But just to talk about some of the other picks that Jazz have, they currently own three first-round picks for this upcoming draft, the 2023 draft. They control their own, they control the Timberwolves pick, unprotected, and then the third pick's a little complicated, because they get the least favorable pick out of the Rockets, 76ers, and Nets. And we had, we had a text coming. in, I'll get to this really quick before moving on, uh, 2305, just to clarify, he asks, uh, "What did the Jazz get from Detroit for uh, for Boyan for Bogdanovich? They got Kelly Olynyk and Sabin Lee, who you may know is not being on the team anymore. And I think they may have gotten cash. So they ba- yeah, they basically got Kelly Olynyk. That's why I say they kind of rushed the trade because yeah, Olynyk's actually been decent for the Jazz, but it wasn't great value for Bog- you know Bogdanovich, who's a pretty good scorer." It could be valuable for a lot of teams. They say he's doing pretty well for Detroit right now. So the Jazz could have gotten more out of out of uh, Boyan. But to go back to what I was saying with the, the picks, the Jazz got the least favorable out of the Rockets, 76ers, and Nets. And preseason, my thoughts were at least, okay, that pick's going to be in the mid-20s. You'd think the, the Nets will probably make the playoffs. The 76ers are a team that's been toward the top of the Eastern Conference standings. Pretty much every year. So you think, okay, something in the mid-20s. The Jazz right now, they're at 26th. That's where their pick is. Uh, you know, having a 6-3 and three record, their pick, if just the NBA season ended today and they did uh, draft slots based off where the standings are now, the Jazz would pick 26th. Well, where the other two picks are, surprising. The Minnesota Timberwolves? That pick would be... 12th. It'd be a lottery pick. I was thinking the, the Timberwolves were going to be, you know, top four of the Western Conference. They're not doing so good at all. I believe they have a below 500 record. I think they're like 3-5 and five or something like that. So they're 12th. 76ers? Theirs would be 15th, just outside the lottery. The, the last pick before being in the lottery. And the 76ers are about to be without James Harden for a month. So Utah's two other picks are doing very well. And, and I guess I should specify that the 76ers pick, that's the one the Jazz would get based off the way things currently are. Because I said they get the worst, get the worst pick of the Rockets, Nets, and the 76ers. The 76ers at 15th are the least favorable of those three picks cuz the rockets right now they're tied for the worst record so they're 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 at number 1. And the the Nets are like 5th, I think. They're in the high lottery too. Of course, they don't even own their pick. Uh I think they owe it to somebody else. Um so they're in trouble. So right now the season ended today. The the three Jazz first rounders would be 12th, 15th, and 26th. Lottery results pending, so obviously that 12th could theoretically jump up. So it's pretty insane. Um, uh, two three oh five Texan again. It says uh, I think the Jazz need to make a deal sometime this year with the Lakers because they appear to, appear to be struggling. That would be a good pick if they could get a draft pick from them. And yeah, right now the the two draft picks, the first rounders that LA can deal. Our L.A.'s own 2027 first-rounder and 2029. Those are the two that they're allowed to trade legally. And those could be very valuable picks because the Lakers have mortgaged their entire future to have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And that bet has gone horribly wrong. And I think the Jazz should trade. You know, if I was the Jazz, I'd love to see them trade for Russell Westbrook and get a first-rounder in return. I think the Lakers are adamant that they're not going to give up a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook, at least at the moment they're adamant about that. We'll see if that resolve weakens, because they know how valuable those 2027-2029 picks are. They know everyone wants them, because everyone knows the Lakers aren't going to be good those years, and the Lakers do not want to give up those picks just to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Maybe bring somebody else in. So I'd like to see the Jazz try and manage to make a trade. Send a veteran shooter. Send a Jordan Clarkson to to L.A. Send a Malik Beasley to L.A. Get Russell Westbrook in return. Get a first-round pick. Buy out Russell Westbrook. I do not want to see him in a Jazz jersey. The The only thing I want him to be involved in is a trade to Utah. Get cut. Go somewhere else. So that's what I'd like to see from the Jazz. But I don't think it's going to happen... The Lakers just seem too hesitant to deal one of those firsts. And rightly so. Smartly so. They're smart to not trade them. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll close out the hour. A little more jazz. A little bit of a Utah State basketball talk as we close out the show. More next.
6: Evan McMullen says he's independent. The Democrat Party knows he's not.
0: Cheers rang loud after Utah Democrats reached a decision to join Evan McMullen. Democrats chose to
6: back him. Why are Biden's allies pulling out all the stops to elect McMullen? Because he'd do their bidding in the Senate. Conservatives know he's a Democrat in disguise, but sometimes his mask slips. His positions on issues match the Democrat platform. He wants to weaken the filibuster, backed Biden's radical Supreme Court nominee, attacked police budgets, supported reckless spending, more debt. He's just another Biden liberal, even campaigned to make him
0: president. I plan to cast my vote for Joe. Imagine the America weekend. Imagine the
6: damage after two more years of a Democrat Senate giving Biden free reign. Utah can stop him if we stop McMullen first. Crypto Freedom Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. Paid for by Crypto Freedom Pack. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. 202-971-1316.
4: Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL. The
5: NFC South leading Atlanta Falcons host the Los Angeles Chargers in a week nine cross-conference matchup. Hi, this is Chris Carino. Join Brian Baldiger and me for all the action as Marcus
4: Mariota and the surging Falcons look to outduel Justin Herbert and the rested Chargers.
5: It's the Falcons and the Chargers. If it's the NFL,
0: it's right here. Sunday at 1030 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: It's that first kiss, that moment in time.
0: This is Jarek Jerick from Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Everyone knows us as an engagement ring store, but not everyone knows about everything else we do. Custom design, our in-house laser jewelry repair. We offer fashion jewelry, charm bracelets, necklaces, earrings, birthstone jewelry, watches. We love people to just look and make a wish list. Stop in and say hi. Jarek's Fine
1: Jewelry. Make it special. Make it Jarek's. The Elements
6: Restaurant is serving a plated Thanksgiving dinner this year with all the holiday classics. Herb roasted turkey with a sage turkey gravy, garlic whipped potatoes and whipped sweet potatoes, traditional cornbread stuffing, and delicious warm rolls. And for dessert, choose between pumpkin pie, pecan pie, or apple galette. Let The Elements serve your family a delicious Thanksgiving feast while you spend the day enjoying family and friends. Prime times fill up quickly. Reserve online today at TheElementsRestaurant.com or call 750-5171.
5: Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this
2: tender time. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
3: Welcome back. Full Court Press. Final segment of the show as we get ready to close up shop here. Uh, 2305 sending sending in a couple more texts, uh, jazz-related and NBA-related. I uh, yes, how many of the bottom tier teams will actually tank in order to get the number one or two pick in the lottery. I also says uh, maybe once they're they identified later in the year, the Jazz are going to make a trade with them, offering multiple picks, draft picks for the future. I uh, we talking about uh, we were talking about trading the Jazz trading with the Lakers. I, I think the Jazz should pull off a trade with the Lakers, but obviously takes two to tango in that regard. So we'll see if the Jazz can ring one of the. 2027 or 2029 picks out of the Lakers. That'd be amazing. But to answer the uh, the other texts, you know, how many you know lower tier teams are actually going to try and tank? Well, the Jazz and the Spurs were supposed to be a couple of them. The Jazz and the Spurs are both be in the playoffs right now. I think the Jazz are third in the West and the Spurs are fifth. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. They were supposed to be teams tanking. Uh, some other teams look at the bottom of the West. The Clippers are at 11. They're not trying to tank. The Warriors are at 12. They're trying to, you know, repeat as defending champions. Lakers are certainly not trying to tank. They don't even own their own pick this year. Uh, the Kings, I never know what the Kings are doing. They try and be good, and they're still bad. So, who knows? The Rockets, they've gathered up a bunch of talent. They're trying to build around it. They're 1-8. That one win is actually against the Jazz. Uh, they got Jalen Green and, and others, plenty of other young talents. So they're trying to build up, trying to build a winning culture with their young core. But obviously if they get another one, they're probably fine with that. On the other end, you have a bunch of other teams that have kind of built up some young talent. It might be okay losing. Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons, they both, they're the bottom two in the East. So we'll see. A um, bit of other news. Uh, Cade Potter, Utah State forward, although no longer Utah State forward. He's no longer on the team. I mentioned I didn't see him at the open practice uh, Saturday ago. And the reason I didn't see him, apparently, is I thought he maybe just was gone, but he's gone, gone. He's no longer with the team. Uh, I'm looking into that, trying to figure out exactly what happened. We'll see if we find anything, if we get any reports. Uh, But for now, Utah State, one less player on the basketball team, which could hurt their power forward depth. But that'll do it for us here. Have a good evening, everyone. Thermo Fisher
0: Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for
4: anyone seeking a reward.